separated by cosmic cabinets. Brandon, Paul, and Logan are broadcasting the Nintendo Stuff podcast live using their telepathic powers. My name is Brandon Miracle, and I'm feeling under the weather. If you look south of me in the video version, you'll see Paul Anderson from my basement once again. And if you look to the right of me in the video version, you'll see Logan in his new habitat. I need a haircut. <laughs> okay, I guess I was gonna say it doesn't look that bad, and then you proved your point. Well, it's just it's just messy, like you know, it's not. It needs Life is messy. Unkept. That's how you attract all the ladies. Like I, the length isn't bad because especially like you get on the side and like my hair swoops around, and that looks pretty cute. Uh, it just needs to be <laughs> trimmed up, not not like a whole lot of length, just just neatened. Sure. Uh, so if you see the title of the video, which I'm sure you you have if you're here, uh, we'll be talking specifically about the Pokemon Master Trainer news that was uh, announced recently by the Pokemon Company uh, as the post-game for Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu and Let's Go Eevee. Uh, that'll be the main focus, the main topic, a little bit later on. But uh, if you're a regular on this show, you know that we always like to start with the Super Smash Brothers blog uh, posts for the Wait. last week. What's the Super Smash Bros. blog? It must be a PlayStation Never looked game. at that before. Also, what's Super Smash Bros.? A fighting game in which you want to knock your enemies off the side of the stage. The end. That sounds pretty fun. I should try That's playing That's not Animal sometime. Crossing. Everybody wants to be a master. Also, chat's working this week, so you guys can see your messages again. <laughs> and guess what? I didn't change anything. It just works now. It fixed itself. <laughs> if you look, did you in... restart your computer between then and now? Uh, I probably did. So that might have had something to do with it. Uh, <laughs> if you look bit. in my background, you will see I added my Super Smash Brothers Battlefield poster to my wall. Uh, you'll also see a table that's not usually there, and you're gonna find out why a little bit later on. Uh, but let's go ahead and get into the Super Smash Brothers blog for this week. Uh, kind of an interesting week. Uh, lots of fighters. Uh, yeah, this is kind of unusual. Uh, we started the week with Shulk, October 14th. He is the only fighter that can change his status during battle. His sword, the Monado, allows him to switch between five modes. Jump, speed, shield, buster, and smash. Which change his abilities for a short time. Fun fact... Shulk's eighth color variation puts him in a pair of swimming trunks. The best costume. So I think my favorite thing about this, because, uh, okay, I like Shulk because I like Xenoblade Chronicles. Um, but I like one of the minor changes they made is the fact that all of his abilities show at once and it highlights which one's selected instead of having to scroll through them and oh, then yeah. like just have to like instead of having to have just like an innate understanding of how the character works, uh, you have more of a visual representation of like, was, okay, you know, to try to like organize and, and was that how it worked or I was under the impression you could hold B and then press in a direction and then let go. Well, regardless of how it functions, being able to see them all at once uh is a huge bonus to uh his accessibility it's also uh, kind of a throwback to xenoblade chronicles itself because you could see a number of your skills on the skill wheel uh in the xenoblade chronicles game yeah uh but i mean 
I mentioned in the podcast on Monday uh, that I had been playing, I played Smash 4. And I played Shulk, and I was I was very frustrated because then I would like I would try to choose one of his arts, and then I'd scroll past the one I'd want, you know. Yeah. Uh, that's and that's really frustrating, and like keeping me from playing Shulk. The, the yeah. best Shulk players like always have the number in their head of how many times they have to press the button, right? Based on where they but, are. But which having is hard. this, you can still have those numbers in your head. Uh, if you want, because I mean, having that preemptive um, uh, knowledge, you know, is going to make you perform better. Mm-hmm. Uh, but having this visual representation makes him more accessible, and it's also going to make it easier to memorize, like how many button presses necessarily. Or if it's like a scroll wheel, uh, you know, like uh, holding B and then doing all that other stuff, um, then that also works you know uh, if that's the way it works uh that will make switching like as fast as i think it could possibly be with shulk i'd be yeah. down for it i'd be down Dang. for it so i mean that's just the one change that i noticed that i was like this makes him so much more viable a character and i like his moveset i like the way he feels i like just i love the look of the monado and I love like okay, I've always loved like lightsabers, right? So when you're when you're a kid, or even even being 24, you know, I have a lightsaber in my closet, and you whip that thing out, and you feel like yeah, like you so much, so much power. So just like the <laughs> visuals of Shulk just make me so excited uh, to to play his character uh, and seeing these quality of life changes uh, again, just it adds that much more. Uh, to to the value proposition of and, you and know, I know it's kind of uh, it's less important, but I think also on a in a visual standpoint, uh, you know, in Smash Four he had the energy color of the current ability that you had active surrounding his body, mm-hmm. um, and they've made that effect specifically a lot nicer to look at when it's active, and that might have something to do with uh, Smash Ultimate's real time lighting system. Yeah, um, it's also toned down a little bit, which I really like. Um, minor thing, but just something I thought was cool to point out. Also, I'm glad to hear that the swimming trunks are back, and he didn't get nerfed. Uh, yeah, I mean, like priorities that would be that could also actually be like a worse nerf than Snake. Yeah, I'd, I'd be really, really upset if they got rid of that costume because that's the only way I can play as Joel. I love that yeah. Sakurai specifically mentions that in the blog post here. Like that is something he's proud of. Yeah, <laughs> I'm. I'm still pulling for Rex and Pyra, and I, you know, I haven't played Xenoblade Chronicles two, but I mean that game did really well uh, critically and commercially. Uh, and I'd love to see some more representation from the series because I, I think it's it's kind of become a mainstay at this Xenoblade point. Xenoblade 2 is definitely the Fire Emblem Awakening equivalent for the Xenoblade series. Uh, this, is this, this is the game that put Xenoblade on the map officially of treasured Nintendo properties. Uh, so yeah, I'm in agreement. I would also love to see Rex and Pyra. I've, I'm seeing a lot of support for Alma as well who is uh, from Xenoblade Chronicles X, which I personally mm-hmm. don't have any experience with, so I can't say one way or another whether I would want that. But uh, if mm-hmm. if Elma is the one who gets a, a a spot in Smash instead of Rex and Pyra, you know, that's great too. Just having more representation from the franchise in general is, is good. Yeah. Yeah. 
That said, Rex and Pyro and Smash, please. <laughs> you know what you want. I respect that. Yeah, I mean, I, I've had my time to, you know, get attached to the characters. I I remember, like, how excited... Actually, I just remember, like, how much you were pulling for Shulk, Logan. And at that point, like, I really didn't ever think he had a chance at all. But uh, You mean in Smash 4? In Smash 4, yeah. Was I pulling for Shulk? You definitely were. Because I remember you being very excited when he finally got announced. There's a lot of things I don't remember. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I I just don't have the most amazing memory. It's not like I forget everything. But little things well, like that. We're old now, I so memory's the first thing to go. Well, th- I think my memory problems may have uh, a, a, n- a number of causations. Not anything that's, like, inherently, like, awful, you know. But just... Age ha- Aging happens, man. Well, things okay. like things like depression too have a have a big effect on how much you retain over the years. But I digress. Uh, that brings us into today's item, Marsh Shadow, the Pokemon. Uh, for those of you who haven't seen it, Marsh Shadow was prominently featured in Pokemon I Choose You, the 20th anniversary movie. Uh, just for a little frame of reference, um, this Pokemon can hide in the shadows. When it finds its target, it will emerge from the shadows and deal a powerful punch. When there are multiple opponents, it may change its target between punches, so you'd better keep an eye out. Ooh. So it's kind of cool. It kind of sinks into the ground and moves, and you kind of have to be alert. Uh, oh. So it's like Togata from My Hero Academia. Yes, Marshadow is actually just Togata from My Hero Academia. <laughs> they got the Although same face, not, so it makes sense. Marshadow is not quite the hunk that Togata is. <laughs> No. Uh, that's debatable. I think he's up there. <laughs> Where's your standard for beauty, Paul? What kind of weird yours, man? stuff are you into? Excuse me, that's Pokemoniality. Uh, <laughs> don't know if we can have that here. I don't know if there's Yellow a legal precedence for that. I guess there wouldn't be. I just said they look similar, okay? I mean, unless you They're just consider, same. like... Um, pokemon just a fictional animal of sorts but a lot of them tend to be a lot we're more going in... too deep <laughs> we're going too deep so for, for uh, ethics conversation today's music you can now listen to welcome to the stage. philosophy room arcade <laughs> i'm gonna mess up this name Brandon, take it away enjoy kt okay now you made me do it. Enjoy Keiichi Okabe's arrangement featuring a fresh guitar part that kicks into a nostalgic tune, Flashman stage from Mega Man. I knew I could get it Okabe. I couldn't. Uh, uh, there was no chance for the first name. Long E sound. Keiichi. Okay. It's like saying I in, in Japanese twice, except you just make it E. <laughs> you gotta lean into it. Keiichi. Uh, looks like Dream Drop is pretty excited about Keiichi Okabe. Can you give us some insight as to his uh, uh, his previous works? Or Logan, if you could look that up too. Near Automata's yeah, composer. Explains and- a lot. Ah, okay. <laughs> well, if I didn't know that he was... Uh, <laughs> I type it in on Google on the third... The, the Two of the top three posts, one is his IMDb page, and then two are about Near. Um, and here's the thing. I think that the first time I ever really listened to near music, uh, was the, the day that I played smash. Like we went over to 
uh, this gentleman's house, and he was playing near Automata uh, when we got there. And I just kind of sat there and watched him play, uh, you know, this game for about half an hour, and the music was just incredible yeah like, I, I was the, like the ps4 demo and it blew me away like i, I knew instantly what, yeah. I it. It, it just put me in a place where i'm like this is okay one this game is very japanese very <laughs> uh and and two i was just like i dig everything about this it's just it fit everything it's uh, a looks... it's a little bit like bayonetta in that one like their gameplay are very similar but two like music is a very prominent feature in both of those games yeah it looks like he has worked on some music for the tekken games okay uh it looks like he did the sound or i i don't know these imdb uh what do you call it uh credits aren't totally all that comprehensive but he did some stuff for a taiko drum master uh um, yeah one of the <laughs> final fantasy 15 episodes um some other tv stuff but yeah tekken and, and near is probably uh the most notable thing dream drop here. also says uh draken guard one through three and the Legend of Zelda Dark World theme that played on Bridge of Elden in Super Smash Brothers Brawl. Ah. So this isn't his first time doing music for Smash Brothers. Yeah, I mean he's not even that old compared to a lot of other composers. He's forty nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of a lot, and not not to say that there aren't a lot younger uh, composers, but a lot of these like big composers are in their fifties and sixties at this point. Um, right. But man, if he can obviously he is um very very talented a very very talented composer because man you have to be talented to compose something that comes out of near uh because wow uh so that said paul you listened to this song right before we got into the show i didn't make it too deep into it but um it definitely sticks to what we've been seeing for a lot of the music so far in that it's just very upbeat um (laughs) It's electric, you know, it just gets you really excited in the 10 seconds I listened to. I was just like so pumped. That's a good sign. <laughs> yeah. Like I I haven't come across a track yet that was like disappointing or like uninteresting. There are a role for this game. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting, too, because it's going to be up against like the entire mm-hmm. legacy of Smash Brothers music. Because I, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if the entire lineage of Smash music is available in the game. I think that's been the case all the way up to now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wonder how much of the actual soundtrack will be comprised of new pieces. That'll be something yeah. that'll be interesting to find out. Uh, but that brings us to the next day. Uh, today's stage on October 16th, Green Greens, a stage based on Green Greens from Kirby's Dreamland. Wispy Woods, the tree in the center, blows wind to the sides. You can eat the apples at drops to recover health, or you can just pick them up and throw them at your opponents. So uh, I like this stage. Yeah, this this stage comes from Melee. It's very bright, very colorful, and actually a really solid representation of the Kirby games. As to where I feel maybe some of the other stages from the Kirby games don't do that so well. Uh, like there's the Great Cave Offensive, 
uh, which is it's a big stage. It's meant for eight player smash, but like outside of just the intrinsic design of the stage, there's not a lot that I feel is inherently Kirby. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the only other stage that comes close or two, I guess, would be Fountain of Dreams and uh, Kirby's Dreamland on uh, Nintendo 3DS, the one that you play on a Game Boy screen. Uh, because oh. you can't get any more close to just being Kirby than playing on a Game Boy screen. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I think this is the best stage to represent Kirby out of the whole bunch, just from a personal standpoint. Uh, I agree with that. Uh, and then Wispy, you know, he drops the, the, the apples, which is something he actually does in his boss fight. So uh, it's good to see that as well. You also have the blocks with some bomb blocks that come down. Uh, it's those those star blocks... That prevented me from getting one more KO in my Smash Ultimate Finals match that won me that hat. I could have had an even bigger lead on that guy if that block hadn't stopped him from kill- dying off the top. But no Johns. That feel when you John even when you win. <laughs> so, uh, Logan, what do you think Come about this friend. one? You know... I've always loved the visuals of the Kirby series, and I was actually just looking to see if they had posted anything else uh, from the Kirby series other than, like, I think they're on the blog, they have, like, one other song and then Kirby and Deity featured. Um, And I, I remember it wasn't, it wasn't the stage, but it was the Dreamland uh, stage. Uh, And I really liked the Dreamland stage. From 64? Uh, from... I believe, yeah, I believe so. Cause it was also, it, it was in smash four. Um, yeah. Okay. It would have been 64 then. Yeah. So we played, we played that one quite a bit. The only um, legal stage in smash 64. <laughs> the only one. <laughs> Good stuff. Interesting. Um, yeah. I mean, I just, I love colors <laughs> and Kirby's all about colors. So I'm, I'm totally down with this one. The melee, the song that plays in the melee version of this stage is also one of my favorite tracks. Like, one of my favorite Kirby tracks. Yeah, that's like quintessential Kirby right there. Right. But the specific arrangement from melee is something I really latch on to. Honestly, like, looking back, this is... Uh, I remember the day I got Melee. Uh, that was a very special day in my life, as it turns out. Uh, but this stage stood out to me the most on that first day. I specifically remember my reception to it when I first played on it. Because it's also an evolution of that stage from 64 uh, that you mentioned, Logan. Because that stage also features Wispy Woods, and he also blows from left to right. Yep. Uh, yeah, No. and I was like a little bit confused because I'm like, oh, Green Green's... Wait, is there another green green stage? But then it's not called green greens, but has a lot of similar elements to it. Yeah, this is definitely the evolution of that stage. Uh, but it definitely takes it a step further. I also love the second picture, and you see the animation of uh, Wispy blowing, you know? Mm-hmm. And his um, whole body kind of, like, moves with it. it yeah, it just kind of warps and... <laughs> He's a tree. A nice... He knows what he's about. He's a tree. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but above him are clouds, and in more than one way. Uh, we got Cloud, today's fighter, the next day of the week. Um, hey! 
Good transition. Oh, he's that fox dude, right? Right. And, of course, I'm talking about Randall from the Yoshi's Island stage in Melee. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Cloud from Final Fantasy, obviously. He's the protagonist of Final Fantasy VII. You can also select his Advent Children outfit. Charging up his limit gauge increases his special move abilities. Land a powerful hit. Uh, Cloud... Do you guys, were you guys, did you guys watch the direct where Cloud got announced? Were you there? I probably did. Uh, the original? Like when it originally aired. Four? Yeah. Uh, I probably did. Did you guys ever anymore. think ever that Final Fantasy would team up with Smash Brothers? No. You know, no. I don't. This is like the wildest thing. I don't have like an objective statement on that because we already have him. And so it's hard to think about a time when he wouldn't have been considered for smash. Um, But at the same time, like you think about like how big smash is, right. Uh, Especially when just people like who hates smash brothers, you know, like, and, and obviously there's the implication where if you put your character in smash, right your games are probably going to do better and you probably deserved a spot you know uh maybe you have enough of a uh pedigree you know yeah it's it's like being asked into the video game hall of fame essentially yeah so i mean looking back on obviously he is the most iconic character from the final fantasy series and the most acclaimed game from the Final Fantasy series. Uh, so it only it only makes sense, you know? Um, it's also kind of interesting, too, because it was the game that Final Fantasy and Square Enix kind of... Or I guess it would have been Square at the time. Uh, they abandoned Nintendo and went over to PlayStation because of their decision to be on cartridges, which right. wouldn't support the kind of full-motion video and graphics that they were looking for. Yeah. I mean, let's be serious, though. Like, this is huge because this is the first person from Kingdom Hearts to make his way into Smash. (laughs) (laughs) You're right. (laughs) They did it. Kingdom Hearts was in Smash the whole time. Uh, But, I mean, take a step back and kind of look at the bigger picture with this. Uh, Once Cloud was announced, it was kind of like a universal thought that Nintendo and Square Enix had kind of come to terms and then they were in a working relationship again. And here we are years later, and that last Nintendo Direct we had, and we had Square Enix literally vomit a lineage of Final Fantasy onto the Switch. Yeah, I plan on buying Final Fantasy VII when it drops. And and I I like that, obviously, we're getting it in its original form. Uh, uh, And that's how I'd want to play it. And that'll be the first time I'll even, like... Like, obviously, we have Final Fantasy 3 on the SNES Classic. Yeah, um, which is Final Fantasy 6. R- right, yeah. right. Um, but I'll, I'll be excited to get uh, Final Fantasy 7 and actually play it for the first time. Because it's like, I, honestly, like, uh, obviously, Final Fantasy 7 released on the PlayStation. And I'd never owned a PlayStation, never owned a PlayStation to never owned a PlayStation 3. And so it was just never front and center. There wasn't really a good opportunity unless I wanted to play it like on like PC or something like that. And I don't 
I don't think about buying like older games on PC unless they were specifically released on the PC, you know? Yeah, um, this is a game I would certainly want to play on a console. And what better way to play the Final Fantasy that abandoned Nintendo by playing it on Nintendo? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's, I was very happy when Cloud got announced for Smash Brothers uh, back in Smash 4. Um, me and our friend Josiah and his brother Isaac, we had gotten together to watch this direct which was kind of uncommon for us. Josiah just kind of asked me, he's like, hey, you want to come over and watch the Direct? And I said, sure. And it just happened to be the one where Cloud got announced, and we were all flabbergasted because we never saw this coming. But uh, Cloud's Clouds and Smash, Square Enix and Nintendo are on good terms. You know, they just released Octopath Traveler. There's talk that Bravely, Bravely Third may be coming to Switch. Um, so we're in, we're in a good place. Can we get bravely default and bravely second on switch as well that would be great because <laughs> i don't intend to go back and play those games on my 3ds i mean i will if i feel like i want to play bravely third uh, mm-hmm. but i'd rather them just like port them to switch and then i can get all of them on the switch because i do want to play those games uh also uh hello to jordan in the chat long time no see glad to have you here um, I had another comment about cloud, but now my head's in the clouds. So we're going to go talk about Palutena. <laughs> I'm two for two, free. boys. Uh, with her wings and staff, the goddess's attacks cover a wide range. With her up smash, neutral special, and side special, she can create a ranged attack in almost every direction except for directly beneath her. Keep the pressure on your opponents from a distance with ranged attacks. I take that. Dream Drop caught my transition. Bless you. <laughs> you are the transition king. Uh, <laughs> do another snappy transition like that and I'm reporting you. <laughs> oh no, you better be careful. I'm turning into Andre Seegers. Don't tell him. Uh, so, funny thing about Palutena, and I've talked about this on the show before, I think, but Palutena mm-hmm. was my number one most wanted newcomer for Smash 4. And I never, ever, ever thought she was actually going to be put in the game. And lo and behold, E3 2013 or 14, I think. And there she was. I was like, hey, I wanted that. And it's here now. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, do you guys remember the reveal trailer for Palutena? Nope. (laughs) It was anime. That's That's what I was thinking. It was, I don't remember it specifically, but I know that it was the anime. It was, it was Link, probably great. It was Link versus Pit in, you know, full-on anime, and they were fighting, and it was awesome. And you had the voice actors from Kid Icarus Uprising, that game I talk about a lot, if you because know it's me. Because it's great. Because it's great. Uh, and then Palutena shows up, and she was kind of the face of custom moves, because that was also the E3 that they revealed custom moves for Smash mm. Uh, and that kind of also was her downfall because Palutena's moveset was so squandered and so scattered because all of her custom moves were unique. They were not variations on the same attack like all the other characters. Every single one of her custom moves was a different move completely. Uh, and that kind of ruined her in the competitive scene because the competitive scene was very unreceptive to custom moves in their entirety. Uh, so Palutena players just kind of got the you know the raw end of the stick. You know it was just it wasn't going to work out for them. 
and Palutena yeah. just suffered as a as a character overall in the tier list. Uh, but that's only from a competitive standpoint. As far as representing Kid Icarus Uprising, like, she does that very well, because all of her moves are based off of skills that you could use in that game. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm looking at the uh, Palutena reveal right now and looking at, and I, rem- I, I remember it now, obviously, um, but it, it just, it makes me want a Super Smash Bros. anime. Yeah. <laughs> Like a full, like blown series that just utilizes all those characters and tells it because the animation is so good. At or the very least, like, I need a character anime. anime. Come on, like give me a, like a legit Legend of Zelda anime that you know is actually quality. And has well, if you remember, like the advertising campaign for Kid Icarus Uprising, Nintendo had teamed up with three very prominent anime studios to create anime shorts, and one of the studios returned to then make the uh, the trailer for Palutena. But those shorts are fantastic. Uh, I need more of that because they they were on to something magical with Kid Icarus Uprising, especially with the anime like going into that because all of them were just so great. The the one I loved the most and still remember really well was uh, the one where Palutena cooks pit dinner. But the vegetables, she, yeah, she tries to use magic <laughs> and then the vegetables come to life and start attacking the town. <laughs> and it's yeah, just, those were amazing yeah it was super adorable you got to see palutena just you know going about her regular day she sent pit to go grocery shopping and at one point you see pit carrying a grocery bag walking back to the uh to the city and he sees the, you know, he sees these explosions and and finds out that all these vegetables came to life and that they're trying to kill palutena <laughs> Just a really ridiculous scenario that you could really only do in a world like Kid Icarus, but it was super adorable and really charming. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm in full agreement that they need to capitalize on that with an anime either on Kid Icarus or Super Smash Brothers, The Legend of Zelda, uh, something. And then they also need to spend a little money to make a sequel to Kid Icarus. <laughs> yes, please. I will never say no to a sequel to Kid Icarus Uprising. That wasn't like... An incredible, incredible game that we definitely need a sequel to. What? <laughs> that game was one of the first to come out for 3DS. I think that was like year one or like definitely early in the 3DS life cycle. And it's, it set the bar. It set the bar really high. And if I'm being perfectly honest, it never got topped. That is the best game on 3DS without I question. I can hardly play it because I'm left-handed and I still played through it it was the most uncomfortable like control scheme for a left-handed person but i forced myself to play it it was <laughs> it's just that good you can you can see the passion really coming through right now <laughs> uh so yeah uh palutena being in smash brothers was really great uh and uh they they've kind of refined her moveset for smash ultimate because it seems like custom moves largely are out like save for the me fighters uh, if you look mm. at her down B, uh, it is now it was a counter before, like in her base move set in four. But now, if you get hit by a projectile, it will change to her side B, which was reflect. So now they've combined two moves into one move, um, hmm. and it, it's it seems like that's the only kind of like extra move that got added to her specials. Uh, and I think auto reticle, which was her neutral B, was replaced with a different attack. 
I could be wrong about that, but there's a whole a whole selection of moves that are just gone forever now. But hopefully this set that we got uh, really works well with Palutena's kit. Yeah, I'll tell you what. I've played Palutena, but I usually got pretty bored of her because I didn't I don't really care for her moveset. Like, I didn't think that she was a very fun character to play. Uh, so, honestly, to me, any changes are, are probably a good one. No, I'm, I'm in full agreement. Like, Pal- like I said, Palutena was my number one most requested fighter for Smash 4, and I hardly touched her at all because she really wasn't that great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I hope that these changes are, are for the better and that Palutena is better. <laughs> I mean, what else can you say? Yeah. Uh, and that brings us to the end of the week for Smash Brothers blog posts. Uh, a pretty good week, I'd say. Um, yeah. I mean, we usually don't get anything new aside from last week with Ash Greninja. But uh, has anyone been keeping tabs on all of the, the characters that have been in blog posts? Like, how many do we actually have left? I don't know. Like, it'd be interesting to, like, actually sit down and, and count through and see how many are left. And it seems like they talk about two to three a week. Um, and so kind of figuring out, like, okay, are they going to touch on all the characters before launch? I think I just um, got a rough estimate. Okay. There, what does it look like? I clicked on the fighters tab for, or the fighters tag for the blog posts, and there's yeah. six pages, mm-hmm. and the current page has ten on one page. So we can assume at least 60 characters have been announced through the blog, mm-hmm. which is almost the whole cast. <laughs> We're running out of, of character posts. Until yeah. they got some new ones. So, I mean, there's, there's what, like... 73 or 74 if you count Echo Fighters. Well, how many weeks do we have until, Seven? you know, Smash? Seven weeks? Let's see, one, oh, wow. two, three... That's coming up fast. Yeah, four, five, six, yeah, seven. Seven sounds about right. If they keep so, up I mean, with that's at least another 14 characters at yeah. the very least. That would get us uh, through what we have till right now, I believe. Right. Also, okay, so if there's 10 on that page and there's six pages, how many are on the last page? Because that... That will give us a real indication. Real quick, though. Um, hear me out. Squ- squad Strike, or is that the one where you, like, play through the roster and like smash down smash down a game of smash down but you go in order of character reveals through the blog oh that'd be fun we should do that we should <laughs> uh so the numbers are a little bit skewed because pokemon trainer is 33 through 35 but pokemon trainer's blog post was all three characters and then me fighters i don't remember if they've been talked about yet but they would have been one blog post too Mm-hmm. So if we're looking at it from that lens, really there's only it it I think at most eight left. Okay. I mean, so I, I we're probably getting at the point where I mean maybe in a week or two we're gonna, you know, maybe get another character reveal. Yeah. I mean we know they're not done. Oh uh, not we at know all. there's not many left. 
that we, too. We know they're not done. The thing is, we still need to get Harold and Rex Flex, man. My my thought is there's probably going to be another five or six characters. At this point, we're so late in the game that I really do think we're just down to one Smash Direct. There was a time when I thought there would have been two more, but it's been too long. Uh, and think about it. What would the reception to a Smash Direct that didn't have five characters like the last one be? It wouldn't go over well. I honestly don't so, think it would. Yeah. yeah. Maybe late November, maybe like a week or two before the game launches. It has to be before review copies are out in the wild. Right. So it could be anywhere I'll... as mid direct uh, mid November or earlier. Right. Well, I I'll mean, take it it's... whenever I can get it. <laughs> the game is coming out so soon. Like it's just, it, it really could happen at any time, but I imagine mm-hmm. it might be closer to launch than further back. So, um, I think it'll, I think, I think at the earliest, maybe late October, maybe the last week in October. But I think at this point, I would, if I had to bet on it, I'd say November. I'm going to go ahead and also say late October, I think. Uh, I'm Personally, I think they're going to get the characters out sooner rather than later to avoid any complications. Um, right. And that's yeah. not just because that's what I want. I do want to see the characters, but... I think from a logistical standpoint, it probably makes the most sense to do it sooner. Uh, As long as they leave a little bit left, they could do like a five character direct and then plan for just a regular direct where they reveal the last newcomer, which will be Gino. That's going to be the last newcomer. I'm calling it. Uh, And where do you stand on this, Paul? What do you think? As to like when the direct will be? Yeah, when when well, is the next time we're gonna hear something? I, I'm gonna guess like that last week in October, the first week in November. That seems like the right time for it. Mm-hmm. Get it out early before you know someone gets a chance to spoil it. Yeah, um, but yeah. So I also think that it'll be uh, Skull Kid will be last. Oh, you think Skull Kid will be last? All right, Logan, who will be the last newcomer reveal? You know, I I haven't really thought about who. The new Tetris. There, any of the newcomers uh, would would be in, in several weeks. Any of the cucumbers. Um, <laughs> you know, I think Skull Kid is a good guess for like one of the the remaining newcomers. Um, though I I feel like there's at least one more third party character, and I feel like it. There might be an iconic third party character. I don't think Skull Kid is as I mean, Skull Kid's iconic, don't get me wrong. But, but he's not the last character you reveal. Maybe. No, I don't think he'll be the last character uh, to be revealed. That's a discount in Sora. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, no, to discount Paul, I think Paul's wrong, and I think he's a lesser person because of it. <laughs> you are a discount, Logan. So that said, if Skull Kid was the last character revealed, that would be great for me because Skull Kid is probably my number one as far as, like, first party characters right now um i just feel like it's one of those like high so highly requested that i feel like that's the last thing you show that's like going out with the bang and that's kind of why i feel that way about gino since gino has been requested since as far back as melee i yeah i would say if if gino's in the game i think gino would be revealed would be the last one to be revealed at least over skull kit um 
I don't know, maybe that's something that we need to be discussing in the Discord uh, as as time goes on. Not that you guys haven't, you know, because a lot of discussion happens in the Super Smash Bros. channel. Um, and I, I miss a lot of it sometimes. Uh, um, and I guess to your point then, Logan, technically Gino is a third-party character. Technically, yeah, even though he's in a mario game but i mean square owns so square own the rights to gino square enix owns the rights to gino that makes it even better i think (laughs) yeah i feel that slightly like maybe hurts the chances for sora sora already has like the slimmest chances on earth but i feel like gino would always take precedence over sora in that case i don't know i feel like you know i i know that at least as I'm aware of, Disney kind of lets... Um, they let Square do whatever they want with Sora. Right. So I wouldn't be surprised if Sora was in the game. But I think, I think, man, if Sora was in the game, they would save Sora for last. Because that's, that's, that's bigger than Skull Kid and, and Gina right there. Uh, in and terms that would of be just a like, month before Kingdom Hearts 3. That's a great selling point. I, that would be like the funniest phone call. Like I could just imagine Square calling Disney and it's like, "Hey, we're throwing all these characters in Nintendo for Smash Bros. You want you want Sora in? Yeah. <laughs> you want to oh, you want to send oh, Sora to him for you?" So when I w- the other day I had orientation for my job at Target. Uh, can you can you tell that I work at Target? <laughs> A little bit. Um, but one of, one of the girls who was there at orientation too uh, had a Keyblade tattoo on her forearm and i was like oh look a keyblade tattoo and then we had a little discussion about video games and how we would both want red dead and all that good stuff did Just you talk about how kingdom logan. hearts one is a bad game uh yes <laughs> and how the lore is like incredibly confusing yes it is it's it's so funny seeing like kingdom hearts like big kingdom hearts fans just be blatantly honest with its faults they're like yeah it's it's really messy and kingdom hearts one is kind of a bad game like it consistently like all the ones i've met uh it's pretty funny uh that said i think that speaks to a good fan base when they're willing to have those discussions yeah it, it yes to their credit uh, so, uh, that's what we're thinking for Smash for the next couple weeks. I just kind of wanted to have that discussion because we're really winding down. Like I said, we're, you know, we're seven weeks away. Uh, that's that really close. <laughs> yeah, it sneaks up on you, doesn't it? Yeah. It's because Snake's it in the game It came out of now. nowhere. Like, what? It's gonna be, like, another week or two or three before, like, controllers start shipping out? November 2nd is when controllers and the adapter release. Hold on. Hold, Go out hold and on. buy them, by the way. Hold- I'm not uh, two weeks from today. Them. <laughs> two weeks from today, and we'll have our controllers and uh, adapter. I mainly just want the adapter uh, because I have like a, I have three GameCube controllers myself, like original GameCube controllers. They are nine uh, footers, I, though. I know, I know, and and I really like the Smash emblem, so I'd like to at least get one one controller. Yeah. Only thirty bucks. Honestly, it's a good deal. Yeah, it's a pretty good deal, but. Um, I have one more thing that I'd like to buy uh, before those even come out. And honestly, I won't even need them until Smash Bros. comes out. So I might just buy them. You know, I might just buy the game, the adapter, and 
uh, the Smash Bros. could GameCube controller. I think the reason they're releasing it all so early is one Christmas, but two, um, they don't want to have stocking issues that they had with the adapter and GameCube controllers like they did with Smash Four. You don't want that on launch day. Also, they they need to just start adding GameCube controller support to games that can support it. You know, like um, obviously it would work great for games like uh, Mario Kart. Um, GameCube controllers already supported. Is it? You can play any game that supports a pro controller with a GameCube controller. Oh. But I mean, the question is: Is there like an official like? Look, there's a graphic, or does it recognize it on the console it, as a GameCube controller? As of right now, it recognizes it as a USB controller because it's plugged in via the adapter. Right. I wouldn't be surprised, like once launch day comes around, if they update the icon. But the functionality has been there. Yeah, that's what I would like. I would like for them to just start including that imagery in in the games and and make it very forefront. Like, hey guys, this is a controller option for a lot of games because. You know, specifically games that don't require like clickable control sticks, mm-hmm. yeah, um, or both or could, bumpers, or could or could support analog triggers. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, why didn't Super Mario I want analog Sunshine triggers? HD. I miss analog triggers. <laughs> uh, oh, take it, Sunshine HD. So we're almost an hour into the show, and we haven't talked about the namesake of the episode yet, so I think we'll jump into that really quick. Uh, So earlier this week, uh, the Pokemon Company announced the post-game for Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu and Let's Go Eevee, and I'm seeing a very mixed bag of responses to this, and that's kind of why I wanted to talk about this. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but I was of the assumption that Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu and Eevee would not have a post-game at all. <laughs> yeah, I was actually surprised when you mentioned there was a post-game. <laughs> it wasn't something I was expecting to find with this title, but I'm really glad it's there, and like hearing the concept for it, I actually really like it. Yeah, and for those at home who don't know what we're talking about, they, they've announced... That after you beat the uh, the Elite Four, after you finish the game, you will unlock the ability to battle Master Trainers. And Master Trainers only focus on one Pokemon. And there are 151 Master Trainers in the game, one for each species of Pokemon from the Kanto region. When you battle them, That's a lot. you can use one Pokemon. The only Pokemon you can use is the Pokemon they specialize in. So this kind of incentivizes collecting every type of Pokemon because Mm -hmm. then you have to have those Pokemon to battle those trainers. So you have to battle the trainers using that specific Pokemon. They're at level 75. And the Pokemon that you battle will be able to use moves that it doesn't usually associate with. And the moves that they use are typically super effective against the Pokemon itself. So that's really cool. I like what's happening. And that actually makes me kind of want to play this a lot more and makes me also want to finish the game because I think that's an interesting way of going about things. Mm -hmm. Uh, Quick side note. I love this trailer specifically like the last like 10 seconds. Oh, yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's just Metapod, and then you face the Metapod, and then the Metapod hardens, and then... <laughs> a direct reference to episode ends. three of the Pokemon anime, where Ash battles a Metapod trainer using his Metapod, and they can only use Harden. <laughs> that was a really and cute reference. In that scenario, everyone loses. Yes. <laughs> or everyone wins! Or really, Metapod uses Flamethrower and you die. <laughs> I think the best possible outcome of that scenario is that another, like, Pidgeot swoops in and carries both of them off. <laughs> <laughs> so I, It's the darkest timeline. So I really like, like you said, Paul, I really like the idea behind this. I think this is really cute. Um, it adds, like, especially with it being all 151 Pokemon, like, that's a lot of content post-game. And it's really challenging from the sounds of it. Yeah. Uh... I've seen people complaining, because of course, that uh, yeah. given the circumstances, you know, it's a one-on-one, -on -one, which is unusual for Pokemon. The Pokemon you're facing, it's a ditto, but the, a ditto match, but the Pokemon that you're facing has the ability to use super effective moves against you that it wouldn't normally have. Uh, so there are a lot of people online saying, well, the only way to win is to grind. Uh, or if you're Conmen, uh, it sounds like padding. Actually, those are both arguments I've heard so far. Where do you guys stand on that? I thought that was the whole point. <laughs> Padding is the you whole just... point, by the way. Well, I thought you were supposed to train and train and train and get better. Training, regardless, is a grind, right? In real life and in video games. Um, I mean, there's no... Okay, one, there's nothing... Nobody's saying that you have to to do the post game content you know um and maybe maybe the criticism is that you know the post game content could be better but i'm not i'm not sure you know um maybe you just have to be a better trainer here's here's my here's my real my statement to everybody complaining all those pokemon fans complaining uh about having to grind or i don't even know what padding is um but like get good get that's good. what i thought you can't if you can't like this sounds like a really difficult challenge so get good okay and if you're good enough to beat them that's just you know there's there's that's more to gloat about about being the best i, you know? I think the other side of that particular part of the argument is that uh, some of the challenge is taken away given the fact that it's a one-on-one -on -one. Uh, so some of the strategy that you know pokemon battles traditionally have is gone since you're not formulating a team you're focusing solely on one pokemon right and the I mean, odds are kind of advantage exactly um, but i i would say that like if you really hate this then i mean pick your strongest pokemon try that out and then be done with it. You can move on to another game and be happy. Uh, but at saying, least like, give yourself the challenge. Conman saying it doesn't seem like it's a super fun thing to do. Uh, as a Pokemon, as a, I should say this, as a casual Pokemon fan, I know a lot of the people who are upset are competitive players. And if you're a competitive player, I understand that. Um, you know, I was, I'm a competitive Smash player, and obviously we have not always had the best relationship with Nintendo. So I know what, what you mean. But um, 
you have a regular Pokemon game coming out next year. <laughs> yeah. This is not... This game isn't necessarily for you, but that comes with the promise that the game that is for you is still on the way. And I think a lot of people are ignoring that. Yeah, I'm... And I'll, and I'll piggyback off of that and just say that I'm I'm glad this isn't a core Pokemon game, you know? Uh, because I, you know, they rush these, they don't necessarily rush them out, but like, obviously for each like console, they have to build the game. And so giving it a little bit more time and building on top of what they even have with Pokemon, let's go. Uh, cause I'm not even sure that the game will look all that much different, you know, as from, from let's go. And I don't think that's a bad thing. Uh, but at least this, this way they did something safe to build the engine in and obviously mm-hmm. tied into Pokemon go and, and all this other stuff, but then also gave, um, you know, the team a little bit more time to develop something that's really going to push the series forward uh and not again not that they haven't done things to push the series forward and uh you know tweak little quality of life things like for example with uh this the latest um sun and moon sun and moon like they got rid of the grid like finally like we didn't need it anymore (laughs) uh and so just kind of like shedding things that aren't inherently pokemon uh and and really coming into the the hd era and and i think it will continue to evolve i don't think you know i think that each uh each generation takes some pretty logical larger steps uh but it's not like all at once you know and so um I'm I'm looking I'm looking forward to this. I think I'm looking I, forward to the core Pokemon game, and I probably will pick that one up. I'm not sure. Let's go is something that I'll be picking up. Yeah, and I I wish more people would take your stance where you're you are okay that Pokemon Let's Go exists, and you understand that it's not for you, or maybe it's not for you, but uh, you still have a game to look forward to that we will be hearing about in five months or less. I guarantee it. Yeah, I said that right into the camera. <laughs> uh, but the the other thing, you know, is like the the end game of Pokemon is usually primarily catch them all, right? And that's a lot easier to do when there's only 151, in this case, 152 yeah. Pokemon. But now they're giving you something that ties together with that that you can enjoy on the side. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's really what it is. It's it's an added incentive to make sure that hey this is a focus of this game catch 100 all 151 pokemon you know uh and now Mm -hmm. there's there's more of a reason to other than just oh you should you know and and it's a cool thing to do now it's like okay now you have a reason to catch every single one because there are battles that you can't do unless you catch every single one and I, 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 at the same time, I also don't think Game Freak is expecting most players to 100% this challenge because, obviously, this is an investment. <laughs> it's yeah. going to take a long time to do this. Well, I think this is um, primarily just um, if you beat the story, 
everybody has like their own Pokemon that they like the most. Whatever Pokemon you beat the Elite Four with, whatever one ends up being your strongest, whichever one is your favorite, here's a challenge for you. Go do that with this Pokemon. Yeah. And they just kind of made it available for everyone, no matter who their favorite is, to go and do this. And then also, if you had like a couple of favorites, now you can do that too. And uh, I, I also failed to mention that if you beat these trainers, you then take the title from them and you become the master trainer of that species. So if I want to be... For a second, the... for a second I thought you were going to say, then you take their Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you take their soul. soul. Mine now. <laughs> You're gonna, gotta snatch them all. Um, so <laughs> you, like, you know, Pidgeot was my favorite Pokemon in Gen 1, uh, in Pokemon Yellow back when I first played it. So mm-hmm. I could become the master Pidgeot trainer would be my title. Or it'd be Brandon, the Master Pidgeot Trainer. So it's it's kind of cute. It's a small incentive. Uh, gives the player something extra to do once they're done. Um, I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with that. Yeah. yeah, as long as there's also the added benefit of them giving you a document that can be emailed to you and then printed out and then put on your wall because <laughs> you caught every Pokemon and you beat every Master Trainer. <laughs> Got to get out Pidgeot. that Game Boy printer. And then you can printer. frame it and you're like, hey, guys... Look at this stuff. Yeah, yeah, but uh, you can't hook up the Game Boy printer to the to the Switch, so fortunately, oh, there's gonna be they're gonna sell an adapter. If I had caught all 151 in Pokemon Yellow, I would have begged my mother for a a Game Boy camera so I could do exactly what you're saying right now. (laughs) Uh, Baconator says I want to be a master Pokemon snatcher when I grow up. Uh, and then Conman Conman says I wonder how the competitive scene will be for this game I if there will be one at all and I think you hit the head uh, the I think you hit it on the head right there I don't think Game Freak wants there to be a competitive scene for this game I think that is fully intended for Pokemon 2019 so uh, for all you competitive yeah. players we still have Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon for one more year I know it's a long wait but this is the regular old wait between generations anyway so I mean, there's yeah. not much to complain about. It'll be here. Don't worry. Well, let me stop you there. There's always something to complain about. No, there isn't. Something legitimately to weeks. complain about is what I mean. Hey, who who's to say that their complaints aren't legitimate? They may be really from dumb. The, from their from their situation, yeah, I understand. They're they and let's. I'd say a legitimate complaint is anything that somebody feels like they want to complain about not that there aren't better things to do with your time or or better ways to dedicate that energy but you're allowed to complain and that's that's let me complain about logan real quick that's a legitimate complaint right yeah man you can complain about me all you want (laughs) i can give you a nice rebuttal you're killing it by giving me permission man that's totally legitimate i don't want to complain about you anymore you ruined it unless it's like entirely man i love you guys and i hate it but if your if your complaint is like, oh man, I have to wait another year, like that's that's fair. I can complain that I have to wait, you know, still over a month for Smash Bros. Ultimate, you know. <laughs> and I I want to we... clarify for people who don't want Pokemon Let's Go and are you know vehemently against that game's existence. If you think that, that's okay. Like you're more in your you're more than okay to be in your right. 
uh, more than okay to be in your right. You're more than in your right to think that way. And uh, if you want only Pokemon 2019, more power to you. You know, vote all with I'm your saying, wallet. Though, all I'm saying, though, is Smash Ultimate's going to be a better game than Pokemon 2019. Uh, <laughs> you're right. Conman <laughs> says if Smash all of a sudden had a drastic change, like having health bars and being a regular 2D fighter, the community would revolt. But uh, I think that misses the point because Pokemon Let's Go was announced with the promise that we weren't changing things permanently. Yeah, I mean, and even then, like, it's still very much a Pokemon game, you know, but obviously there is that blatant tie in. Like, it's its its, its own thing. Like, this yeah. isn't a replacement. This is the third pillar of the Pokemon series. You have yeah. main games. The, you have the remakes, and you have Pokemon Let's Go now. Uh, Baconator says, do you think Meltan will be in this game? Uh, yes, Meltan was announced to be in the game. <laughs> also, I just thought about something. You know, because of these, I, I feel like Pokemon games, the core Pokemon games, uh, if they continue with the Let's Go series as, like, you know, like the th- secondary remakes... <laughs> Right? They're just a few generations behind of the other remakes. Joe to remake and, again. <laughs> well, well, it might give Pokemon a little bit more breathing room, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and maybe you'll get a more quality Pokemon game. Just not as often, you know? Uh, which I think those games come out far too often. Um, so I think they could stand to to take a little bit of bigger breather be between um like remakes and generations yeah and i think let's go is kind of a casual you know relaxed distraction from the regular pokemon attraction sorry to get all rhymy on you but uh so pokemon 2019 is on the way it'll probably get announced in the first six months of 2019 that's usually how the pokemon company does it uh so don't fret I will buy Pokemon Let's Go, and if I don't like it, I will tell you that. Like, I'll be honest with you, because that's what we're here for. Plus, if you just hate it, you'll probably get more clicks, too. (laughs) (laughs) Sad but true, right? Uh, Let's see. Uh, Speaking of Pokemon Let's Go, Junichi Masada says that another Pokemon Let's Go-style game set in Johto could happen if everyone enjoys playing them. And let's uh, put everyone in quotation marks real quick. And that's actually what I was referring to in the sense that, like, they've already said that they might continue with this series. Yeah. Uh, and I th- I think Let's Go will sell well, and I think a lot of people will like it. Uh, and I think it caters to a different market. Um, and so more Switch much, units, yeah! I could see uh, Pokemon Let's Go... I don't even... What, what would you do Pokemon next? Let's Go Snubble. Pokemon Let's Go Dunsparce. <laughs> Dunsparce. Uh. Snubble. Shucky? Shuckle. Shuckle. I think that's I Gen... Shuckle version. Is that Gen 2? I thought that was Gen 3. I thought it was Gen 2 because that was the one you got... Um... Uh, you might be right. I, I remember getting him in, like, silver, and then I hated him, so I just left him. <laughs> But Shuckle's cute. The person's like, hey, here, this is my best friend. Take him, please, and make sure you take good care of him. And I abandoned him. 
I should also mention that this extensive interview, and I say extensive because there's a lot to digest, uh, comes from Eurogamer. They did an interview with Junichi Masuda and Kensaku Nabana from uh, from Game Freak. Uh, so definitely go check that out over on Eurogamer. There's a lot of cool tidbits and also some areas that made people upset, but we won't get into that because we've already talked about upset people enough for this podcast. <laughs> uh, but moving on... Uh, Super Nintendo World construction begins at Universal Hollywood Studios in California. Yeah. So things are underway for the old American side of Super Nintendo World. And I believe this is the one. It's either this one or the one that will be in Orlando. One of the the United States versions of the park will be the the, the, the definitive park amongst the three or four that they're building. Uh, so we we lucked out. We uh, we get the big one in our in our country. So. Sorry, Japan. Yeah. Uh, that said, ours is obviously going to open much later than uh, the one that's opening in Tokyo. Uh, we are trying to be there in Tokyo when that opens. We'll uh, let you know how that goes a little closer to that release date or that open. Depends date. on how much our lives get together and how much money we can make in the next few years. Yeah. Would be a lot of fun. We'd shoot some vlogs for you guys. Uh, Patreon link in the description. Help us out, please. Thank you. Love you. <laughs> uh, moving on, you can now get the zombie headwear zombie outfit in Super Mario Odyssey. Uh, plus, three new snapshot filters have been added to the game, uh, including kaleidoscope, manga, and tile. Oh, fun! I just lent my game to a friend, <laughs> Logan. It's, it's it's spooky okay. weed. Tell him you're not friends well, anymore and, and, and take it back. It's okay because he hasn't played through the game and he expressed that he wanted to. And I'm like, do you want to borrow my copy? And he goes, okay. Um, Just tell him you're not friends anymore and take it I, back. I still think this is, you know, proof that there's larger DLC coming, you know? Um, and actually the Nintendo dads uploaded a video that I totally watched because it was very clickbaity about DLC coming, and obviously it was totally unfounded. They liked my replied uh, tweet to that video, by yeah. the way. <laughs> so, um... That video yeah. was a joke. Yeah. But it was still like, I, I want it. I want it. Yeah, uh, and, and despite Justin... Okay, goodbye, Logan. And despite, I believe it was Justin from Nintendo Dads that did that video, um... Despite it mostly being a joke, like he was joking, uh, the punchline doesn't come to the very like last second of the video. I don't think he's too off the mark. Uh, like he mentions in that video that we're approaching the one year anniversary, that'd be a good time to just kind of shadow drop some sweet DLC. I've, I've mentioned it before, but like it it doesn't matter when they drop it as long as they drop it. Like or secret. you'll get people to flock back to it as long as it's there. So it doesn't matter when, like, it's not like they have to do it right now because it's relevant. Like, it'll become relevant because they do it. Yeah, and uh, think about it. Like, for all of us who have stopped playing since then, when we come back, we'll have Luigi's Balloon World, a ton of new costumes to buy, uh, and a ton of new snapshot filters. So it'll, it'll, yeah. it's a, it'll feel like a big update. And I assume that the, the, the DLC would come with a lot more snapshot filters and costumes of its own. So there'd be a lot of new content yeah. to come back to. Uh, 
Yeah, and there's also the possibility, like Conman says, that it could end up getting the Super Mario Galaxy treatment where it's a sequel instead. I am also fully on board with that. Yeah, I would I would pay to play a lot more. <laughs> It'd also be cool if they did uh, kind of like a Torn of the Golden Country kind of setup where the DLC is so big that they release it standalone as a sequel, but you can buy it as DLC and attach it to your already existing game. Yeah, I'd be into that too. I'd like to see more games do that. In fact, like <laughs> new Super New Super Mario Brothers U did that on Wii U with Super Luigi U. The DLC had, was yeah. so big that they released it as a standalone package for thirty bucks. So it's not like <laughs> they, they haven't just done wait it. until they have that ready to go for Odyssey. Yeah, honestly, at this point, I wouldn't be surprised if that's what happens. You know what? Mark my words. That's what's going to happen with Odyssey. What color highlighter should I mark your words with? Uh, purple. Okay. Dream Drop said Fire Emblem Fates did that, and it was LOL. Well, I, I think Fire Emblem Fates was a little bit of a different story. <laughs> that said, I hear complaints about that all the time. Your average Fire Emblem game is 25 chapters long, and each one of the versions of Fates was 25 chapters long. They did nothing wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get you a t-shirt. Fire Emblem Fates did nothing wrong. <laughs> Spakenator bought Super Luigi U just to play as Nabbit. Well, now you can buy it again on Switch to play as Nabbit again. Or Peachette, if you want. Oh, man. That's all I'm going to say about that. Just, oh, man. <laughs> uh, so moving on. Uh, speaking of you know Xenoblade, Monolith Soft says... They are recre- uh, says recreating Xenoblade X uh, would be really difficult. Uh, in an interview they did with U.S. Gamer director Tetsuya Takahashi says, um, uh, when answering the question, when it comes to roadblocks that stand in the way of Xenoblade Chronicles X on the Switch, uh, Takahashi's answer is simple. He says, money. It's a massive game. Recreating it would be difficult. Or would- I, I feel that for them, like knowing especially like how much how much time you could sink into the xenoblade games like especially x because x was like fully open world not even two is and like did that game have any significant gamepad integration in it i don't believe so i think it was just menu and math okay so that that does at least make it a little bit easier but um yeah i could see where it'd just be a huge pain I'm also sure, though, that they'd probably sell a lot more copies on Switch than they would on Wii U. Given the success of Xenoblade 2, they could probably make their money back and more doing a remake of X or a port of X. Conman says, how is porting X to the Switch going to be hard, but they uh, ported Xenoblade Chronicles to the 3DS? He does ask the he does ask the right question. That is though. the right question, yeah. Uh, um, but Dream Drop points out exactly what I was thinking: remake, not a port. I I would actually just be okay with them porting it, honestly. Actually, I do think it was a port. Hmm. Uh, Dream Drop's double checking that right now. Um, but either way, like doing that is always going to be expensive. Like I don't think there's a scenario yeah. in which porting a game wouldn't be expensive unless the the uh the transfer was seamless like if the console architecture the system architecture was simple and or similar enough to not have to change that much uh 
yeah, it was it was a low res port uh, to 3ds. Baconator says, "I bet you can get views by saying Peachette or Bowsette a hundred thousand times." <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, and that pretty much does it for all the big Nintendo news this week. Again, a second week in a row, kind of slow in the news department, but a lot of that has They're to do. They're getting us ready for a large week of Nintendo Switch, um, well, Smash Bros. specifically announcements. Well, there's that, but also we're we're in the middle of all of the tentpole releases for this year. Like we're in that three month period where Nintendo drops the biggest games of the year. Like they're yeah. dropping Pokemon, they're dropping. Uh, they just dropped Xenoblade 2's expansion, which was so big they released it on its own. Uh, and then you have Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. Like they probably don't need to announce anything right now. They're just sailing through it all. Uh, but that doesn't mean we don't have some third-party stuff to talk about. Uh, according to Games Industry, they caught up with Panic Button, uh, and Panic Button says that Nintendo Switch ports are really challenging, but they like a challenge. And to directly quote them, uh, specifically Adam Creighton, he says, We like to make projects that are special for the target hardware. And Nintendo Switch is a cool device because you use it on the go. You use it docked. And you use it in both modes and move back and forth, he said. So we've done things with the control schemes in motion, but also bringing these AAA titles in their true form to this hybrid hardware has been really challenging. We like mm-hmm. a challenge. It's part of why we go after these things. We wanted to both broaden these properties, uh, uh, broaden those properties' availability to a whole new group of people, but we also want to broaden the Nintendo Switch as a platform. We really feel like core games make so much sense on that hardware that we want to bring those over. Ports are tough because when people, uh, when someone's designing a game for the first time for a platform, we can cut features or mold features or make changes that people don't know about or see because we're able to make those in advance of release. For a port, we have to bring the game faithfully with all its gameplay and features or people will feel like it's a lesser port. I'm glad that Panic Button took the time to make these comments because I feel like they're a driving force of what ports should be and how yeah. they should be handled. If you were a Those Nintendo fan in the Wii era, third-party mm-hmm. ports were terrible with very little effort put into them most most of the time. And I say most of the time because there were some good ports, like Call of Duty Modern Warfare Reflex Edition was a very good port. And they did exactly uh, what Adam said here. They adapted the motion controls. They really built the game for the hardware, but they didn't cut features. They didn't cut... Uh, aspects of the game that would make people people feel like it's watered down. Yeah. Because some of those other, like, especially Call of Duty ports on the Wii. Oof. Uh, what was it? Black Ops 2? <laughs> Not 2, but Black Ops? Black Ops was a notoriously awful port. Which was sad because it came after Modern Warfare Reflex. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Logan, where do you kind of stand with all this? What do you think? I mean, I can say that I really appreciate all these panic button ports uh, because, again, like, uh, these ports feel like they're equals, you know? Mm-hmm. And we know we're, they're not going to be quite as pretty, uh, you know, as, as the other console counterparts. Um, but also, they're not not pretty, and I think that you know is a testament just how far you know what the baseline for 
uh, power for for these consoles is like uh, the disparity between the you know the Switch and the PS4 and the Xbox One is not nearly as large as it was between the PS3 and Xbox 360 and the Wii. Right. Um, Good times. <laughs> so even though they're less powerful, it's like okay, these games are still running at 720p at the very minimum, uh, which I think is is great. Especially what they've been doing, especially with Rocket League. Like Rocket League, just it looks great, and I, I played that at performance mode, which is like 720p, 60 FPS, or something like that. Panic Button uh, has and- also said that the extensive work they've done on Switch ports has improved performance on PS4 and Xbox One as well. <laughs> oh yeah, because they've been able to like, okay, they have to find ways to fit it in, and so I mean, I I'm not surprised. Um, and that's, that's really great because again, I, I, I like Rocket League and I like playing Rocket League on my, on my switch. Uh, and I like that I have the option of buying doom on my switch, even though I could buy it for like 15 bucks or something like that on PC or $60 on switch. And for somebody on a budget, (laughs) you know what I'm going for? Uh, especially because it can look so much prettier on PC. Um, Speaking of Rocket League, uh, the cross-platform profile system that they were going to implement was delayed to next year. I'm a little bit disappointed uh, because I have Rocket League on my Switch and on my PC, and I love... And now, you know, my progression on on my Switch is so much further than it ever was on PC. Uh, mm-hmm. But I, I'd love to have that option to play on PC and it would make me want to play on PC more if I just, you know, had cross progression. Uh, and ever since I heard that they were doing this, I was like, yes, please give me this. Uh, and I was, you know, playing Rocket League the other day with my buddy uh, who I also lent Super Mario Odyssey. And we kind of had a talk about this and I'm like, I think cross progression is arguably more valuable than cross play, you know, uh, for people who just want to be able to play those games anywhere, anytime on Mm -hmm. any platform. It's great for Uh, Fortnite. I wish Overwatch had that. Uh, uh, yeah, that would be really cool. Um, in addition to this, uh, one of the comments they make is that uh, this gives them time to prepare for PlayStation, since Sony has recently changed their policy on cross-play. Yes. And that might actually have a decent amount to do with this uh, delay in the first place. Um, yeah, I'd rather they do it right and, and, like, delay it and do it right than, you know, try to rush it out the gate just because people want it, you know? And we all know how what happens with rushed products like even even in the age of uh you know being able to update things after the fact like that initial launch it stays with a game you know uh and it it mars it mars the uh you know the perception of those games even so i mean to a lesser degree because this isn't you know a full new game it's just one aspect of a game. Uh, you know, I'd rather they just put in the time now. Uh, and it's not like, um, it's not like psionics is really hurting for cash right now. No, not <laughs> so, at all. 
Uh, Conman says, I can't bring my V-Bucks to Switch. I thought when they changed their stance on Crossplat that that was also something that was fixed. The ability to use your Epic account between PlayStation and other systems. Was that also hmm. lifted? Because I thought it was. That's a good question. Yeah, I don't know. Just uh, crickets, crickets, crickets. Condoms yeah, I checking. feel like it makes the most sense to just be able to have a, you know, when you have a joint account, be able to use your V-Bucks wherever you feel uh, fit. that is as anti-consumer as you can get. <laughs> right. Yeah. But also, like, there is the consideration of, you know, these platforms want to still make money uh, off of these, you know, these platforms. So if you purchase the V bucks when you're on your PS4, do they go to Sony? You know, um, or at least a portion, do they go to Sony? Cause obviously a lot of the V bucks are just going back to Epic, but um, I don't know. Maybe Epic is play- paying like dues <laughs> or of some sort to, uh, to different platforms. I don't know how all that works. Wish I had a little bit more insight. Uh, well, let's go ahead into our last story for the day. Uh, also, Conman clarifies it is possible for him to transfer his V-Bucks. IGN made an article. Nope, Nintendo Life made an article. Okay, well, that clarifies that. Um, the prototype for the original Katamari Damacy was developed on the Nintendo GameCube. Now, that's a cool story, isn't it? It's yeah. also a weird story. Because, I mean, who who published Katamari Damacy? Bandai Namco. Okay. Uh, this story comes from Kotaku, sourced by uh, My Nintendo News. Okay. So, why did it only come to PS2 then? Is that just because the market share was so much larger and they were like, whatever, you know? Uh, let's let's read the quote here. Uh, this comes uh, this section comes from my Nintendo News. It says uh, Keita Takahashi's book reveals that the original Katamari Damacy had been prototyped on the GameCube. According to Takahashi, this is because our engineer didn't have much expertise, and neither did I, and the schedule was tight. So for the reasons we picked the GameCube platform for prototyping, I wanted to use the PS2 controller though. The book says that Nintendo's developer-friendly outreach and the release specs for the PS2 indicating it would be a difficult path for even experienced game developers were also contributing factors. So I think the only part of the story we don't have is eventually why it then ended up on PS2. (laughs) Right. Uh, Nintendo GameCube was superior hardware. A lot of people don't know that. Um, Other than the fact that they had more limited space on the disc, so the audio wasn't as good on a lot of games. Right. Uh, But yeah, uh, just an interesting story, and now we finally have Katamari Damacy, you know, arriving on a Nintendo platform. You're hearing that story from a lot of different games this year. And I totally forgot for a minute that Katamari Damacy was coming to Switch, and then I remembered, and then I remembered it's only 30 bucks. And then I got very excited because I've never gotten a chance to play this game. But I remember several years ago watching gameplay and being like, I want to play this game. <laughs> Doesn't this game also come out on December 7th, though? Um, I think so. Yeah, there was one game that we said was doomed because it released alongside Smash Ultimate. 
I, I'm well, pretty sure I it was this one. I think that it releases a little bit sooner on the eShop. Uh, but the physical version releases a little bit later. Okay. So uh, from what I had read, or at least I just, I may be wrong about this. I think it's releasing November 30th on the eShop. And I think they even talked about that. So I'll have to double check. Don't take my word for it, but it for sure will be on the platform as of December 7th, AKA Smash Ultimate Day. <laughs> Dream Drop Sora remembers us having that conversation outside of Best Buy and laughing about it so uh i think uh i think i think it is out on the seventh that's tragic it is really tragic if it's something that you you plan on playing anyway you'll you'll find a way to get it eventually i mean i'm not yeah like i'm gonna get it anyway but obviously smash is going to take precedent right if if i can only afford smash i'm gonna buy smash (laughs) right uh and and <laughs> I'll buy both. Don't not support Katamari, says Kanmen. Yeah, like I plan on supporting Katamari, maybe just not right away. Yep. No, and okay, I just read a Polygon article. It is out November 30th on the, on the eShop. eShop. A physical edition will come out December 7th. Well, if okay. I'm done with that, Pokemon, I might pick it up. Yeah, so I, I think... You know, I'll probably end up purchasing this game uh, digitally because I just bought a 256, 265 uh, gigabyte micro SD card. So I have space for that. And obviously, I like having all my games uh, on there at once. Uh, so this will definitely be a digital purchase for me. Uh, that brings us to the games we've been playing. And uh, for me and also Paul, it's really only been one. Uh, yep. And that's is a game that released on Tuesday, being Starlink Battle for Atlas, with a small trademark symbol next to Atlas, uh, developed by Ubisoft. Uh, of course, we're playing the Nintendo Switch version, which comes with the a... The only version. Th- the only version of the game. The only one that exists. Uh, that comes with Fox McCloud, uh, another character, the main character of Starlink, uh, Mason, the R-Wing... Oh, that's his name. I keep forgetting. And uh, some extra, some extra guns as well as digital versions of Mason's ship and gear. Uh, I won't, we won't get too deep into Starlink because there will be another video for that. Uh, you guys will see that soon. Uh, that said, I think Starlink is pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> I wow. Feel like, <laughs> I feel like Ubisoft is going to have a hard time determining whether like the series... Like maybe this, if the series like, um, ju- like if the this game can be justified, if they can justify a sequel, <laughs> right? Because if this game does well, one, it's gonna sell so much better on Nintendo consoles, uh, given I think the nature of the game and then also the Star Fox content, um, which is way well, more than just content, by the way, right. But, like, there's no guarantee that there's going to be Star Fox content, like, next time. In, in the next time, right? And so it really just depends. I love how there's, like, in all of the, um, in, in a lot of the promotional material, <laughs> Fox McCloud is featured pretty prominently, right? He's not like, on the box big... art. Well, not on the box art, but a I'm lot so of this upset. other stuff. 
Well, I mean, it's understandable because they don't necessarily want that to be the focus of the game because they want the game to stand on its own. Sure. Right? And uh, like the way to determine whether or not this game will get a sequel is to look at the sales numbers on the other platforms. Because, right. yeah, the Switch version will sell the best, but I think those will give you the accurate um, like numbers for how this game would have fared without Box. That's not to say that Starlink can't continue as a Nintendo Switch exclusive in the future. Right. Um, honestly, I'd like to see Fox and his team become mainstays because they really are like seamlessly integrated into the world of Starlink. They're there in the cutscenes. They're having the conversations with the main characters. They're part of the plot. Uh, it's it's really cool. I mean, you can you can see where like Star Fox and friends or Star Fox has kind of been stitched in. You you can see those those moments. Like there'll be. Fox and his team talking to Mason about ship upgrades, and then they walk out of the scene, and then all of the other characters walk in, and another conversation starts about something else. So that's where the console, the other two consoles, got in. <laughs> like, that's the moment that it becomes Starlink again, rather than Star Fox plus Starlink. Uh, but that said, like, the integration of Fox and his team is really good. Like, if you play the whole game as Fox McCloud, which you can, um, like, he's the one having the conversations with the tertiary characters. He's the one talking to NPCs. Like, right. he's got all of the voice lines necessary to carry out the rest of the game. And that's awesome. <laughs> like, this could have easily been, like, just tacked on. Like, you could have been playing as Fox, but say, like, Mason or some other character could have just chimed in to complete the conversations. But no, it's Fox. He's the one doing it. And what's super, like, impressive to me about that is that Fox and his team weren't integrated until after last year's E3. That's wild. They got a lot done in a short time. Right. Well, at the very least, like they had the base game, like pretty much done. Right. So it's just a matter of like, okay, polishing everything else and then integrating that content. Yeah. Uh, And I I also want to commend Ubisoft for how well they're treating Star Fox as a brand, like they're treating it with as just as much care as they treated Mario and Rabbit's Kingdom Battle. There, there is I a. Think, go ahead, Paul. I was gonna say, like the whole time you've been playing this, I, I keep bringing it up, but like it just makes me want a Star Fox game. Like yeah. they've done such a good job with the property. There's a, so much care. Like like Fox and his team's models are really impressive to look at, especially like on the menu screen where uh, their model just kind of stands there and you get to look at them and it's it looks really good. Uh and then the voice acting is really good. Like pretty good, I should say. Like it's still the Star Fox <laughs> members and it's still the same voice cast, but the direction is a lot better than usual. Oh yeah. Uh Fox actually sounds good for the first time maybe since Star Fox 64. Yeah, I really have to commend Ubisoft for the integration with Star Fox so far. And I just did the first mission, the first Star Fox exclusive mission, uh, which gets fully rendered CG cutscenes, by the way. Like, they, they did not they did not lowball on this. Uh, I, we saw, I got to that cutscene that they released a trailer for, the one with uh, Wolf, and he's talking to a dude. And the dude's like, yeah, Fox and his team, they showed up with, like, 50 ships. And then Wolf walks over to his hologram and he says, 50 ships, huh? <laughs> that doesn't sound right. 
and uh, starts chewing on some not Cornarian food. Just really cute, <laughs> really like polished stuff. Uh, and they also integrate Star Fox music into the game. Uh, whenever you use Fox's great. special, Fox's special has you uh, call in an, another member from Star Fox. They come down and basically they're an ally for like a minute, minute and a half. Uh, and they they play an arrangement of the Corneria theme from Star Fox on Super Nintendo. And every time it comes on, uh, Paul gets really pumped. Uh, that's a, every every time it comes on, I, I I think I stop and say they need to make another Star Fox game. <laughs> that, that's that's specifically the moment every time that makes me say we need another Star Fox game. I had to. Oh, go ahead, Logan. I was yeah. I just want to ask you guys, like, on a scale of one to ten, like, how fun is the gameplay? I've I've finally kind of gotten into the main gameplay loop, which I, I I'll go into more detail probably next week once I have more time with it. But uh, I'm really enjoying it, to be honest. the 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 combat isn't super deep. I'll I'll say that. Um, it's a lot I mean, of just. I didn't expect that much from a you know toys to life game. There's also know? not a lot of enemy types, but uh, the the main gameplay loop, while it is a little repetitive, it's interesting. It actually borrows elements from Star Fox Two on Super Nintendo, where you have the entire galaxy map, and there's you have management to keep up with, like. These planets are constantly under attack by the Legion, and you have to manage your resources in order to combat them so they don't get overthrown. Right. Uh, and you have to travel to each one and you know take it bit by bit and try and keep the forces down, uh, which I think is really neat. And you can kind of approach it in any way that you want to. It doesn't force you to do anything in any one way. Okay. Well, you'll have to remind me uh, next time I visit uh that i need to at least experience a little bit of that game because i'm curious uh, not curious enough to to spend the money on it because you know again finances are tight and if you I buy the digital version it's cheaper and you get like three pilots and three ships instead of two well we'll see because i again i got a lot of other priorities and uh red dead's on the horizon and um all that good stuff yeah but uh I guess I should mention then uh, the game has full, full, fully supported split screen co-op. Oh, okay. And uh, I, me and Paul were fairly impressed with how the game handled it. Like, yeah, it ran just as well as it did before it was split screen. And that was incredibly impressive for me. Right. Uh, the only thing is that like the, both ships are kind of tethered together to a certain distance because the game yeah. can't load that much like open world at once, which is understandable. Right. Still a little bit of a nuisance, but not it's not as tight as you would think. Like you can get fairly far away from each other. Okay. Yeah. Also I found out that there was an option to turn friendly fire on. <laughs> oh. We'll have to do that later. Yeah. <laughs> uh if I could say anything about Starlink that I'd want to change as of right now, it's not necessarily a change, but an addition. I would love it if there was a dogfighting mode. The fact that there isn't is kind of a crime. <laughs> right. Yeah. Imagine, like, being a kid, putting together your perfect ship, just, like, really building it together, bringing it over to your friend's house, who has his, like, 
super amped up ship and you fight him. That's awesome. That's what life's about. It's like bringing your favorite action figure over, but you totally customized it. Uh, Starlink does not have online. Starlink is local only to verify for the chat. Uh, You will hear more about Starlink a little later on. Like I said, there'll be some videos to look out for on the channel, so keep your eyes peeled. Uh, But as far as me and Paul, that's all we've played. Yep. Yeah, and I haven't played much more. I mean, I've already mentioned Smash 4. I've already mentioned Rocket League. Um, I don't think I mentioned this. I neglected to mention this and and a few other things uh, on the breakdown. Uh, But I did get a chance to play Super Mario Party uh, a little bit, at least one board. And it just kind of reinforced that I I want this game. Um, And if I, you know, make more friends (laughs) in the area or, you know, start hanging out with more people more often, uh, then it's something that I would like to to pick up. Uh, In addition to that... uh, the other day, me and my roommate played a ton of Soul Calibur 2 on my GameCube. Um, it's a good choice. And turns out, like, you know, I was always a big, like, Soul Calibur fan. And just revisiting that game and refamiliarizing myself with the uh, why that game is so great and why it stands out from, like, other fighters. Because it's, like, it's like a 2D fighter. But then, like, there's the, again, there's a more, like, 3D aspect to it. The fact that you can move around, you know, your opponent. You're always facing each other, but you can dodge to the left and to the right instead of just backing up. Uh, and then, obviously, I, I'm there's... glad you brought this up, by the way, because happy Soul Calibur Six launch day. Yeah, he, I I came home and my roommate was watching Soul Calibur Six gameplay, and for half a second I thought he went out and bought it, and I almost like died. Um, <laughs> but and then he started talking about the lore of Soul Calibur. Like this this guy's he's super super into Soul Calibur, and I'm like, oh my god, this is amazing. Um, and like the other day, he was like, um. I think I'm going to try and 100% Soul Calibur 2. <laughs> so he, we, me and him tag teamed like the, um, like the master weapon mode. Uh, and I unlocked, that mode as a kid. Yeah. Unlocked a whole bunch of other characters. And then he started doing like the extra version of it. That's like, you know, that much harder um and it's been a joy watching him play and there's so much depth to the combat in that game um but you know that game functions not like you know there's the kick button but then like the actual like weapon attacks are based on like vertical attacks and horizontal attacks you know um and so there's quite there's so much I don't know. There's a very clear form of strategy that I don't think exists in just 2D fighters, like more classical 2D fighters. No, Soul Calibur is definitely built with 3D in mind. Yeah. Uh, And obviously it it came into existence on the Dreamcast, you know, so it was kind of entering the, uh, you know, um, 
it was it was Sega getting its gears going in in the 3D realm, right? Yeah. Uh, and the and those games are all very critically acclaimed because it's just a it's a winning formula. Uh, it's hard not to enjoy those games. And then of course there's the myriad of of button inputs that it's like oh my gosh the sheer amount of like moves that are possible with these character is like absurd and like i don't even know <laughs> especially watching like the soul caliber 6 uh gameplay which is something that i definitely want to pick up and i don't get excited about fighting games other than smash bros yeah my heart's uh, hurting right now real bad it looks really I got, good i got that like twinkle in my eye right now and i'm trying to fight it (laughs) um that being said i was talking to him about like okay if there was one character in soul caliber uh like uh, like uh, a featured character that you could throw in there who would it be Uh, and he threw out a joke because we were talking about how mitch mcconnell uh looks like a looks like a turtle um if you've ever seen pictures of senator mitch mcconnell um he's an awful person but he looks like a turtle, <laughs> and that's pretty cool. Um, I think they should add Richter from Fire Emblem, personally. Yeah. <laughs> Who's Richter? Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I meant Richie. <laughs> uh, I was thinking that they should just throw in Guts from Berserk. Oh, dude. Actually, yeah. <laughs> I changed my answer to Guts. <laughs> oh, man. That also reminds me, it's like, I really want to pick up the... Um, the berserk uh warriors the Muso game yeah yeah uh i i heard it wasn't amazing but i it doesn't that doesn't really matter i just want to be guts and just you know the take secret down, like, is that it's a muso game and that they aren't amazing anyway <laughs> right right <laughs> so it is what it is uh but that's been my week in terms of games that i've been playing on nintendo consoles um yeah, and we'll see where that goes. Sweet. So that pretty much brings us to the end of the old Nintendo Stuff podcast, the podcast stuffed with Nintendo. Uh, mm, there it is. Yeah, and I've been trying to reintroduce that back in. <laughs> uh, yeah, once again, not a lot of news, but uh, I think despite that, we had some interesting things to talk about, like the the Pokemon Let's Go post-game content. Um the, the possibility of Super Mario Odyssey DLC or a sequel, an entire conversation that Logan wasn't here for. We had just wrapped it up by the time he got back. I I'm I feel like I've had that conversation so many times anyway. Yeah. Like I, I feel like it should come or if it doesn't come, it's because they're preparing for a sequel. And that's pretty much the gist of what I have to say about that. Yeah, and that is pretty much exactly what we talked about uh that said we got some videos coming out this week i'm hoping three three videos got the break room breakfast is on the way uh another episode of the break room breakfast is on the on the way and then a (laughs) secret project i'm not going to tell you about it's also on the way so at least three what it could be I wonder what it is. I wonder what it could be. I feel like I know you've probably told me and I don't remember. <laughs> it's only going to be the best video we've ever made. All of them? 
until we make the next best video that we've ever made boom so far the best video we've ever made according to youtube statistics is a standard definition pokemon tribute video using monster hunter <laughs> it's a good video though for like where we were at in our careers like that was pretty darn good you mean in high school <laughs> yeah i mean think about it like the second best video we ever made was rick richter oh richie <laughs> and mostly because people hate me yeah <laughs> dream drop got that video in his recommended yesterday oh <laughs> nice okay Good. did you watch it did you watch it <laughs> we're curious now uh, but yeah, uh, I will try and get, uh, Paul did the rough cut for the first episode of breakfast. So we'll try to get that out soon. Um, as well as the, the second one. And then, uh, the big old project, I will like to say that it will be done before the end of the weekend. I can't promise anything, but I'm going to try my best. Uh, so make sure to follow me on Babababs, follow Logan at Loggy Doves, follow Paul at Gunnysaurus, and follow us as a collective at Break Room Arcade. Uh, Break Room Breakfast, <laughs> says Conman. Uh, if you want to hang out and chat with us more, make sure to join our Discord server. Link is in the video description on YouTube. Um, and if you really like what we're doing here, make sure to like the video, subscribe, and then rate on podcast sources. And if you really, really like what we do here, we have a Patreon link in the description. And uh, we would really love it if you helped support us. Uh, get us to Japan in 2021. Get us to E3 next year. Get us everywhere. Please. <laughs> we need help. <laughs> uh, yeah, so keep all of that in mind, guys. Uh, and we will see you next Friday with the Nintendo Stuff Podcast number 17. Um, or if I decide it's number 36 or 33. Or 34? 34 was the 34, number. yeah. If I decide it's number 34, it might even just be episode 34. And then I'll leave you wondering where all the ones in between went. They were taken down by YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we'll see you guys on uh, next Friday. Don't break your backs. Break in the games. But for now, break time's over. I love Paul, but not as much as you guys. <laughs>